Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper, and TireRack.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, Jessica Ray. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 301. I'm Jessica Ray, and you might know me as MotorWeek's digital producer. I'm also the podcast producer, and today I am standing in for the legendary John Davis as podcast host. Where is John? Where uh, in the world is John <laughs> Davis? He's Somebody an call undis- in. He's in an undisclosed location. <laughs> he's, may or may not be in Europe. <laughs> he's taking a well-deserved vacation. Um, so joining me in the studio today here in uh, Owings Mills, Maryland, is Brian Robinson, Greg Carlos, and Alex Kellum. Now, this March has been very busy for all of us in the automotive world. True. We have all been traveling all across the country for a plethora of first drives. So we're going to talk about <laughs> mostly San Francisco area yeah. because California. Like everybody's yeah. been de- like you know they've been getting the most rain and it's like everybody uh for whatever reason is you know California in March was actually we're terrible not, weather. We're not used to having to check the weather when we're going to California. Normally I'm just like whatever, I'm sure I'll be fine with yes. whatever I have, but yeah. now it's an actual thing. So. Exactly. So we'll have we'll talk about three nice sidebar. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, look, this we, that's why we do the podcast. Yeah. Give an insider look. <laughs> so we'll talk about three new vehicles that we have driven. Um, we also have a lightning round about uh, how some autonomous and semi-autonomous technology is uh, potentially going to be used by Ford. And then we have a viewer question about some of our procedures and things that we do at uh, Roebling Road Raceway. <laughs> this can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll see if anybody has a rant or rave at the end. So starting off, we're going to start with Dodge, who um, this is their first new product in about a decade, Brian? Sounds about right. Since the mm-hmm. Dart. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sounds about right. Yeah, so the, the all-new Dodge Hornet revolves nameplate. Can you tell us a little bit about it? So, yes, yeah, small crossover. Why in the world would Dodge make a small crossover? Well, they currently only have three vehicles in their lineup, two of which are about to cease production, uh, leaving yes. them with just the Durango. So uh, if you're going to expand your lineup, certainly the hottest segment that continues to be growing, uh, small crossover is where you want to be. So the Hornet is indeed that, based on the Alpha uh, Romeo Tonali, the small crossover uh, from Europe. Uh, it's actually going to be built in Italy, not based on a Jeep, which is maybe a little bit of surprising. Uh, but, you know, Dodge is all about performance, and that's really what they wanted to focus on. So standard uh, is a GT, Hornet GT, uh, 280, uh, 268 horsepower, um, two-liter turbo, uh, and uh, Coney shocks standard um, starts at about thirty grand. All wheel drive standard, um, so super well equipped uh, for thirty grand. And you can add stuff on top of that, like a track pack, which is mainly just uh, looks. Really, it gives you say, a, a, a sportier of, interior. A lot of the packaging, the optional stuff, was like appearance. So Correct. A lot of stuff comes standard. Honestly. Yeah, you really can't get many performance upgrades. Even the brake upgrade is just painted uh, calipers. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That is uh, pretty stout for the, they call it the fastest, most powerful, quickest, whatever adjective you want to use SUV you can buy for under 30 grand, which uh, the numbers seem to back that up. 
Uh, step up from there is the RT, uh, which is a smaller 1.3 liter turbo based, but it is a plug-in hybrid uh, with a pretty sizable rear-mounted electric motor, uh, which gives it a different all-wheel drive setup. Not much horsepower, a few more horsepower, but almost 100 pound-feet, more torque, 383. And I think fairly impressive 30 miles of EV-only range. So, and when it's in EV, when you're in EV mode, it's all that rear electric motor. So you're essentially, essentially driving a rear wheel drive vehicle at that Sweet. point in time. And uh, so anyway, it handles well. It looks okay. Uh, definitely looks, it's got a lot of the Dodge styling cues uh, they put in. Uh, it's a little bit of a rough ride. Uh, it sounds loud at times. All things that uh, Dodge is all about. Um, the RT is, is like low fives, zero uh, to 60, the GT uh mid sixes um and the rt starts at about forty thousand. So. so that's kind of about right for that size vehicle and a, with a plug-in hybrid powertrain compared to say like a rav4 prime which would kind of be its competition right uh exactly yeah yeah and but this has way 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 more performance uh than the rav4 prime especially it's got a a power boost function where you hold the right paddle and it gives you like an extra EV shot for uh, like 30 seconds or something like that. Uh, pretty trick, well thought out vehicle, I think. The interior, plenty roomy, uh, definitely looks uh, sporty inside. Does it sound, does it have that like Fiat snarl to the engine like we've heard in Abarth's? And yeah, the 1.3 liter for sure, you put yeah. it in sport mode. It uh, pops and cackles when you let off the gas. That's like, yeah. that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and that's so that is the PHEV then. Yeah, that has the pop. Man, that's cool. <laughs> that's even cooler to yeah. me. Yeah. Although I will say, like, I don't like the idea of the paddle so much. Like, I wish it was a button to boost. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, to me, you need the NOS button, right? right, right, right. No, you don't pull a paddle for NOS. <laughs> you put a, you push a button. Yeah. Well, we well, we actually recently had the the GT in for a road test. Yeah, and actually, I didn't get to go to California. I only get to go to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, right. They keep me One stuck day, on the buddy. East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you brought it back, and, and yeah. we did our and they made you drive out. back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'd much prefer that anyway. So, that's so, good. so you spent a, a decent amount of time. Now we had the a lot of us we've experienced the GT, but right. you got to experience the RT. Yeah, absolutely. And it feels it feels way faster off the line with that electric boost. Boost actually driving it, um, it doesn't really feel that much quicker in everyday use. Uh, but certainly off the line, it does. The RT is actually going to be a 24. That won't be out uh, for a little while yet. Uh, but it's the RT is is neat in the fact that uh, it has clear personalities. Like when you put in sport mode, the engine stays on all the time. You get that uh, exhaust note, stuff like that. You put it over to like EV mode and it's like driving an EV. It's nearly silent. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of a all-purpose uh, small crossover. You, you can charge the battery while driving. Yeah. The engine. yeah. If you put it in sport mode, it keeps the battery at like 80% just so you always have that uh, right. boost shot. Yeah. Well, Sweet. Well, great. Now let's move on to um, another product that has been a long time coming for a brand that pretty much started mass producing EVs, right? Nissan. 
with their leaf that came out, gosh, I mean, 15 years ago at this point. Yeah, I went on that long. <laughs> <laughs> and Is that in California? <laughs> no, no. Oh. Down in uh, Nashville. 15 oh. years ago? Well, th- yeah, I think the 2000, 2000, 2008, 2000, late 2010, sure 2008. I'm just, yeah, yeah, I think sure. it was about My that. life is flashing yeah. before yeah. my yeah. eyes right so 15 now. Years I just ago. make sure that it's a march of time. Is, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. So, ending. right then? So, I mean, they're now following up with their second all-electric vehicle, the Aria. Now, our first taste of the Aria was very short. I drove it, like, a year ago at the New York Auto Show around Central Park, so... I didn't really get a good feel for it, but now they're launching the all-wheel drive version of it, and you got to drive it, Alex. I sure did. I went out to California. Rained flying. Well, rained when I flew out there. Rained when I flew back. Uh, the day we got to drive was nice and sunny, though. So. Lucky duck. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of flooded roads. So there was that too. Um, but yeah. So as we've alluded to, we've kind of already driven the Aria. We've seen the Aria before in its form, but the E Force. It is E Force, not E Four Orse. The name may, yeah, may confuse that's really you. Weird. Yeah. Um, Wait, say yeah. that again. <laughs> so uh, here, you can even look at my paper. E force. It's E dash four four orse. Yeah. Yeah. They just replaced the F with a four. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got it right the first time. I thought you guys were saying it was something different. Yeah, I was just you know. Being I a catch your drift. Being a little, Nissan. being a little <laughs> facetious, but no, it's fine. Uh, but yes, this is the all-wheel drive finally making its way to the Aria. Uh, so I don't want to talk too much about the Aria as a whole. I'll make a few comments, but I really want to talk about my driving experience with the E4. So please do. It doubles the. I guess the 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 hat trick here is that it doubles the torque that you would get with the single motor drive system. Uh, so now you're up to 442 pound-feet of torque, 389 horsepower. I think it's zero to 60 is like 4.4 or 4.8 seconds or something like that. So yeah, it, it's 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 a very uh, robust system, or at least it, you know it's up to par. Um, that is with the larger battery because you can get it with a standard range battery, and I'll get to ranges in a second, but with the standard range battery, you do get a little less punch there. 335 horsepower and 413 pound-feet of torque. Still respectable, in my opinion. It's still fine. The standard range battery, it's 63 kilowatt hours of usable battery, and the extended range, which is what I spent my time in, uh, was 87 kilowatt hours of usable battery. So with the standard range, you're only looking at about 205 miles of range. Um, hmm. And then when you get the extended right around range. BZ4X yeah. and mm-hmm. Lexus RZ. Right. And then when you get to the extended range, you can get up to 272. So, you know, a little bit more. And the thing with all these numbers, I said it in my first drive, and I'll say it again here, is, like, they're all fine. They're not jaw-dropping. They're not, like, going to blow you away. But they're fine. Like, I think they're they're competitive. Uh, what really sets the E-Force apart, in my opinion, is how the E-Force performs on the street. Mm-hmm. And we did, like, a little agility course at Sonoma Raceway with, like, a wet hairpin and, like, a slalom and, like, all that fun stuff. And for the most part, you could basically just pin the throttle or, you know, the pedal. I don't know if we can, are we calling it throttle? Yeah, you, call throttle. Yeah. you pin it to the floor and it does what you want it to do. It, the thing they were saying is it carves the line that you intend to take and you really do get a, a feel for that. And in previous press materials, this is like old press material when I wrote the quick spin from when you drove the, <laughs> yeah. the one a year ago, yeah. it said that the E-Force was a spiritual offspring of a system known as the Atessa ETS taken from none other than the Nissan GTR. GTR. Uh, I am not going to dare make that comparison. I'm not going <laughs> let, to do yeah, that. Yeah, let Nissan do it. <laughs> um, but I will say that it makes sense that, you know, a company that is known for such a legendary all-wheel drive system, you know, would still have a very robust system. 
My favorite feature, though, <laughs> of the E-Force, this just kind of shows who I am, I guess. Uh, when you brake, so the rear motors apply some of that braking for the regen brakes. And what that does is it mitigates vehicle pitch. So when you're coming up to a stop, uh, you're not like leaning forward in your seat. And mm -hmm. the whole idea is to kind of prevent motion sickness, which oh, as a driver, yeah. I don't really experience. But when I'm in the passenger seat, I, I get motion sick. Uh, Same. So that's why I picked Good automotive journalism. Good to know. All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, I think it's a really cool system. Uh, if you need something, you know, f further credence of the uh, all-wheel drive system, they're doing a pole-to-pole -pole expedition right now uh, with oh, the wow. Nissan Aria. They've put some big, meaty tires on it, and they're going from pole to pole. Okay. What exactly that's going to prove, not entirely sure, but it are is Are they going cool. to the magnetic North Pole or the geological North Pole? Look, I, it's pole-to-pole. -pole. That's <laughs> all I got for <laughs> you. Right, magnetic <laughs> might cause an issue. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, it as we alluded to earlier, it blows my mind that, the leaf has been out as long as it has, mm -hmm. and it's taken them this long to bring out a second yes. EV. It's like you would have think they'd be you know three or four vehicles into it by now. Uh, I mean, it's not out of character for Nissan though, considering how long it took them to give us another Z, and they kind of held on to a lot of yeah. things for a long time. Long but I mean, the GTRs. They eventually do deliver. It just years, ends up yeah. taking a while yeah. longer. And I think they they do it right for the most part. I mean, I think the Aria they've done it right. Um, they are aiming right now at 55% global products with electrification by 2030. Uh, that's going to be 25 new electrified products, uh, 19 that are going to apparently be just all new in total. So they are starting to ramp up. They're trying to get to that point. Where are we at with pricing? So you can get it, like I mentioned, with the standard range. That's mm -hmm. like your entry level, so to speak. And that's just under $50,000 with delivery before incentives, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. uh, if any apply. Um, when you start getting into the extended range, you get just over fifty grand, and then they top out around sixty-ish thousand. Hmm. Um, so, it is something to consider as well. Uh, in terms of size, think Nissan Rogue. Uh, if you need a, if you need like a good comparison point there, I mean the Rogue is what one hundred and eighty something like 183 inches overall it's on a wheelbase of 106 inches i got that yeah. part written down yeah. uh the aria it has, it is has a very like roguey rogue sport-esque uh, yeah in a way silhouette to and it, yeah sure. and it's it's essentially the same length 183 inches long and the wheelbase is 109 inches so i mean yeah it's okay. it's very comparable to a rogue in size if you need a good uh like comparison point there but obviously it's all electric well i guess we'll see where nissan kind of goes with the aria and then also where they go next since yeah. they're gonna the have GT some aria the, the gt, GT aria, aria. Mm -hmm. robinson's not impressed <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Are let's... Are they going to put a number in there somewhere, random spot? Yeah, they might, they might. Well, um, before we get to Greg talking about his time in the oh, man. surprising yeah. Mazda CX-90, uh, let's move to our lightning round. Wow, all right. I'm sorry, Greg. Okay. I'll just show up we'll late to the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, uh, this is an interesting topic, Um Ford has filed a patent for a system that would be able to self-repossess autonomous and semi-autonomous vehicles. So depending on the level of autonomy, the system could allow a vehicle to move itself to a spot that would be easier to be towed, or eventually it would just be able to drive itself to a designated area uh, by a repo or lending company. 
Now, this can't exactly be a surprise to many people hearing that Ford would, or, or any automaker would patent something like this, but should we be alarmed at how technology in cars can be used? I'm so alarmed. I'm about to bust out laughing. Honestly, yeah, just I, reading these. Like I know, I know, I knew about this, but when mm -hmm. the way you read it, just I wanted to laugh so hard. Yeah, like when I first read this, I I thought it was a bit. I thought it was. Thought just it was funny. like an SNL. I, I like, was like, huh, that's kind of funny. And then I I was like, and I had like seen it before. I saw this on the podcast, and I was like, oh, like I love the Blue Oval. Not sure if this is the move. Uh, but to answer the question of, like, should we be alarmed at how technology is, is being used? I mean, just in large, yes. I don't think we should be afraid of the advancement of technology because it's going to happen regardless, you know, whether you like it or not. Um, but, I mean, even looking at other examples like, you know, paying a subscription to have heated seats, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, that's now possible because of the technology that we're putting in cars. And it obviously people don't like that right i think this is another example of something that people probably aren't going to like i get why they want to do it i get why the technology is being investigated but i don't think people are going to like it i kind of don't like it to be honest. <laughs> i don't think anybody's it creeps me out that's for sure yeah like, i mean the idea is funny i can definitely see some uh sketches being made about these cars just being driven away <laughs> yeah uh yeah, I, I it it uh, certainly alarms me. Doesn't surprise me that uh, you know uh, a company would would do this. Uh, I find it hard to ever side with major corporations, so uh, I certainly don't like it from that standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's that, and the, you know you throw in all this stuff you're hearing about AI recently. Mm -hmm. Not to get too far off topic, but it's yeah, I think actually Alex put it really uh, nicely. Um, there's a lot of things you should be excited about with advancement in technology, but I think it, it certainly needs to be kept in check yeah. by, by the people, we we being those we people. people. Yeah, it's like the whole pay with your wallets kind of thing, which granted I know is easier to say when, like, because, you know, I mean, as a car, not everyone's necessarily going to go out and buy a car, let alone a Ford, but, like, yeah, I mean, let them know that you don't I like mean, it. Ford is just the only person doing this right now. Yeah, Everyone right, right. will be able to have the capability eventually. Well, they've patented this system. It doesn't mean they're going to use it. Right, exactly. It doesn't mean they're, exactly. they're about to repossess everyone's cars. But it proves they've cars. thought about it. But mm -hmm. It's on their minds. Yeah. I, you know. I mean, I don't know if we should be alarmed or not. We should definitely be aware of it. But there seems to be no... Any technology, people just go all in on it, regardless of the consequences, sure. and whether it takes their freedoms, whether it takes, um, whether it opens up these kind of doors. Um, yeah, there's no stopping it. People just want whatever tech they can get. I mean, it's sort of in the same. It's not in the same vein, but it's like you know, automakers they have access, remote access to our. Uh, new cars for the mm -hmm. most part. I mean, look at GM's OnStar system, right? Just you make your yourself. payments. You don't have yeah, to. I mean, that too. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm thinking, like, why even risk the idea of like an autonomous drive from wherever your car that is being repossessed is to where you want it to be? Why can't we just make a feature where it just like locks all the systems where it is physically impossible? Right. To drive the car. I do like the other part of it, though, where it's like, you know, it can move it to a spot that's it's easier to be towed. Like, in terms of repossession, like going back to that, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm so not crazy about it, but I could see that also being used maybe in a good way. Like what if there's, I don't know, something happens with the car, there's an accident or something, and the driver is not there to move the car, the key's not present, 
a, a emergency worker or a uh, tow truck operator, you know, highway safety needs to be able to move the car. If there's a way for them to contact Ford or the dealer or whatever, I don't know how this would work. I don't know if it's even necessary, but I can see where there can be good in technology like this. Uh, I just want to know, when are we going to get to uh, AI generating cars for us? When are we going to get AI generated cars? Do you want an AI No, but They can't even uh, generate like fingers. Like, I know, directly. but like, man, well, that's why, again, it's the bit. I'm, I'm oh, okay. Bit. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I think it'll be funny. All right. Well, let's move on to our viewer question. Uh, this is an email from Michael. He says that, uh, or I should quote what he said. He said, I was watching the Volkswagen Golf GTI Autobahn segment, and I noticed that the driver had both windows open during the track tests in Savannah. What's the reason for that? It's hot in Savannah. <laughs> no. Um, not when we're there. <laughs> it, it, it's something that uh, is not uncommon at racetracks where they uh, um, will request that you put windows down just in the event of an accident, rollover. There's just less glass being thrown in your face. Uh, I don't believe it is a requirement at Savannah. Uh, we've always done it because, again, we also don't run with air conditioners, so it is nice to have some air moving in through the system. And then, of course, like hearing things on the outside is always good. Uh, but I will tell you the truth that uh, the faster cars get and the more aerodynamic they get, I've noticed more and more wind buffeting. So we come down the straights now regularly at 150, 160, sometimes even 170 miles per hour. Uh, and the air that's coming in and the turbulence created by it has made it's for me very hard to keep my head straight mm -hmm. physically because mm -hmm. there's so much of it. It's it's uh, to the point where I have to put the windows up on uh, a couple of cars. So you'll see on the test that some of the cars do have windows up, uh, but I would say most of them probably have them down. Yeah, it kind of is definitely a, a safety thing. But as you notice, the cars have gotten so aerodependent. It's almost impossible to drive some of them with the windows down. Uh, I do drive with the AC on, though, sometimes, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's just hot. me. But the opposite of that is when we do acceleration runs, we have the windows up uh, to get the best aerodynamics mm -hmm. and also have no AC on at that time. So sometimes it gets very hot in the cars. Well, I'm going to start turning AC on. That, <laughs> on the road course? What does it matter? Yeah. Well, wasn't it? Um, I wasn't never thought about it. <laughs> 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 He's just hopping in and going. Uh, well, you guys are out there sometimes for, isn't it like ten, eight to ten laps to, at a time? I couldn't tell you how many <laughs> laps I do. Sometimes I, I don't even have time to figure out what drive mode, much less play I will. I just started controls. putting the radio on towards the end of runs. Uh, because, like, man. yeah, well, <laughs> Rage Against the Machine comes on. I just got to turn it up. Uh, well, I think there was one car that we had this year at Roebling that um, with its uh, in it. I don't know if we could, like, turn off some of its, like, emergency braking or oh, the, function, the, the safety function. Yeah, yeah. yeah, AMG, yeah. So like, that, in the middle of the corner, it just it threw on some emergency situation. Well, it would, braking. and if you, like, <laughs> broke, if you, like, braked really hard, the, the windows, if you that's had the down, it, would come up. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the car doesn't even let us do it. <laughs> one yeah, one definitely braked on me, too. I um, yeah. can't remember which one it was. Didn't brake. It, yeah. like, put on the brakes right. is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for asking that question, Michael. And um, and if you want to ask a question, you can email us at motorweek at pbs.org. We'll just walk on up and find us. Or just ask <laughs> I don't us know a about that. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. all about that for sure. Um, anyway, so let's uh, finish up with um, with Greg here, who was in California. Better be good. We made us wait. Yeah. For yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Not sure I can live up to it, but I'll, 
Uh, Mazda, Mazda has surprised us, and we actually just recently talked about this on uh, another podcast because it was a very quick uh, time between when it was revealed and then when we were actually able to drive it. Um, but Greg has driven the Mazda CX-90, which is kind of a surprising product from Mazda. Tell us about hmm. it. Surprising if you haven't paid a lot of attention to where Mazda is going uh, recently. They've clearly decided that they want to go more upscale, uh, more premium. Uh, I can, I'll get into the whole luxury versus premium debate later, but they are certainly separating themselves from uh, Toyota, Honda, and now they're more getting they're getting closer to like the Lexuses, Infinities, Acuras um, in terms of just. Uh, <clears throat> general materials and and what they're what they see their cars as or suvs in this situation so cx90 it is not the nine this will be replacing the nine eventually but right now uh if you look through their suv lineup they have the cx3 the cx30 the cx5 the cx50 the mm -hmm. cx9 the cx90 so right now there's just like a whole bunch of suvs in their lineup and a gap too because there's no there's nothing in between the five and the <laughs> yeah they, they had the seven for a while years ago um now it's just the five to the nine um but the the 90 is eight inches longer in terms of wheelbase than the nine but only two inches longer in overall length so there is a little bit of extra space but uh there's not a ton i mean like rear third row leg room goes up a tad second row also uh, but it's really not much and it is a, it's still technically a midsize SUV. Um, a lot of people I saw on commenting on our video that saying it's a full size. Maybe 10, 20 years ago, it would be a full size, but now it's a midsize. Um, it is in either a six, seven, or eight passenger configuration. Uh, standard, I believe, is eight. Either way, you can kind of mess around with that. You can get captain's chairs in the second row um, in, in both the cars that we tested and are both SUVs. They were, they were um, captain rows in the second row. I've owned a lot of Mazda, so I like to know, or I think I like to know how Mazdas drive. Uh, this is the most exciting thing is that this still drives like a Mazda. Um, very tight steering. The suspension is just very well sorted out. Uh, again, we were in San Francisco, out in California for this press event, uh, driving on some of the higher speed highways with lots of twists and turns. It's just so sorted out, so confident, comfortable too. Uh, but more importantly, uh, or at least more notable, is probably the powertrain department, starting off with a 3.3 liter turbocharged inline <laughs> six-cylinder engine. He's so excited about it. Uh, yeah, the, I started salivating. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, inline six-cylinder engine, which yeah. is just all the rage. Uh, to me, when that when I heard that, I, I thought, okay, well, then now they're putting BMW and Mercedes in their sights because they're the ones who put that powertrain in their SUVs. So uh, that engine actually comes in two versions. It's the same engine. One is a high output. One is the standard output. Standard output is 280 horsepower, 332 pound-feet of torque. Uh, if you go with the high output, it is 340 horsepower, 369 pound-feet of torque. Uh, what Mazda likes to do is they give you a premium fuel rating and a regular uh, yeah. fuel rating. Yeah. So those those higher numbers at 340 uh, horsepower is the premium. If you go to regular fuel, which they say is still recommended, you're only going to get 319 horsepower. So not a huge deal, but I feel like it's worth noting. Um, that is out also on a 48-volt 
mild hybrid architecture. So it's technically a hybrid, just not like a full-on hybrid. Mm -hmm. They have a electric motor built into the eight-speed automatic transmission. Uh, it basically start, uh, functions as like a starter generator type thing. Uh, which leads me to the second powertrain, which is a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, otherwise known as a PHEV. Instead of the inline six, it uses a four-cylinder, uh, naturally aspirated, uh, 323 horsepower, so not as much as the turbo, uh, but it has the same amount of torque, 369 pound-feet. Um, it's one of those systems where you can use electric-only driving range. It's rated at 26 miles at a full charge. Uh, of course, you can charge it while you're driving. You can also set it to charge specifically. So say you're going to be doing a lot of highway driving and you want to leave the battery charged at 50%. So you can set, all right, I want it to stay at 50% all the time. That way it will get it to 50, but you're not relying on the motor or the engine the entire time. So you can recoup some fuel economy there. Um, do, they, do they have fuel economy numbers out yet? Fuel economy, no, not for the PHEV. I'd have to double check on the, um, it wasn't anything stellar with, with, with the turbo models, but PHEV, the only thing they have is the fuel or the um EV range at 26, no fuel economy number jet on that. Uh, I felt like the PHEV, you know, the instant torque from a stop isn't that notable. I felt like on the highway, uh, when you wanted to pass somebody, you hit, get this like instant hit of torque, which uh, to me is incredibly useful on the highway. But uh, the two powertrains are, again, just the refinement is what they're going for, uh, especially with the inline six. It's just the benefit of that is the torque. You get more torque with an inline six, and it's also just a more refined experience. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Robinson, with your hand raised. <laughs> are they all all-wheel drive? Or they are all all-wheel drive, and they all have eight-speed automatic. Standard across the board. Standard across the board. Um, another little weird, uh, not weird, but interesting aside, I was talking to one of their powertrain guys, and, uh, you know, you think of the benefits of, a, of an i6 of being – it's also rear-wheel drive based, by the way. So all-wheel drive, yep. but it's based rear-wheel drive, which ah. means that engine is pointed longitudinally front to back. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like I said, rear-wheel drive base. Huh. Uh, but so they were able to move that engine further back, uh, which obviously helps balance of the vehicle. But um, when you have a transverse-mounted engine or a V – those front frame rails generally are bent, which is, as I've learned, is a very inefficient structure, talking about frame rails. Uh, so when they go to an inline engine, they can make those straight, which helps with crash prote protection, but also helps with turning diameter. So it's actually the turning diameter, even though this is a longer wheelbase, is better than the CX-9, just <laughs> basically because of those frame rails wow. allowing the wheels to turn at a more severe angle. So back to the whole idea of Mazda going upmarket, they're certainly approaching like German levels of luxury. I can't say that this is a full-on luxury vehicle because it just it just isn't, but it's now competing with the Infinities and the Lexuses, I think. Um, they're, they're certainly trending in the right direction. Drive dynamics, I think they are like very close to what you'd get from a BMW or a Mercedes. Uh, but, you know, if you're looking for like a full-on luxury, you're not going to get it with Mazda. But if you're looking for a step above like a Toyota, Nissan, uh, yeah, Mazda is just really kind of up their game in terms of uh, material quality and just general 
refinement. So this, since this is a three-row utility, kind of is going, and you said it's well, it's still mid-size, right? So still it, mid-size. That means so it goes it, up against Highlander, Highlander, Grand Highlander, uh, Telluride, Palisade, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, uh, like, is there any like compromise in like cargo p- capacity or um, like folding things flat with like the everything PGB folds model? flat? You still get. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers on me. Um, third row up in its upright position. Uh, there's not much space, but that's basically par for the course here in the midsize right. mm-hmm. area. Uh, but yeah, everything folds flat, second rows. Um, so you know, if if you need to to store something a little bit bigger and you don't need to carry that many passengers, it's more than capable. Also, five thousand pounds of towing with the uh, turbo six cylinder, thirty five hundred with the PHEV. Okay. Wow. All right, that seems like uh, Greg got really lucky because the day before he went on that trip, uh, it, it was flooded. flooded. They had videos. It of actually hail. flooded. It was it was like a nightmare apparently. So that was a very comprehensive, Greg. Thank yes. you very much. Yes, thank you. Greg. Yeah, I'm gonna you know, I'm glad I actually had the extra time at the beginning of the podcast to prepare myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, now does anybody have a rant or rave? I always do. I'm always, but I want. This other- is usually me. Yeah, but well, I know I don't get to have one. This I'm, week. So I've been taking the, my car seats in and out of cars more often lately. Yes, you have. I've seen it. Just for fun, or <laughs> yeah. no, out of okay, necessity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I realize it's not a major issue for most people, but uh, I don't. Like, why are there such there's such a difference in how people how manufacturers do their child anchors Mm. some are like right there easy to get to others are like you got to dig into the seat to try and get it again like i'm like i hate uh, it's like standardization like why can't it just be standard i know like they want things to look nice and And from a safety aspect too like why aren't they standard think about like a luxury uh automaker who would like really put a focus on things looking good but bmw has some of the best child anchors available they just like put them out there for you to see like i, I, don't, I don't know i like again just not well who deal. who do you think does it the best bmw that, that bmw does best. a great job with it uh who does it some of the worst probably kia they put it even in my even in my 08 sportage they bury those things in the seat in that crack ah. just impossible i know i know not everybody's taking their car seats in and out but, no, but th- people are like there's people you have a, a unique job because you're in different cars all the time but i think there are plenty of people out there who are constantly juggling around uh car seats maybe not so much as before because a lot of those car seats have like bases now so people just like yeah. have the base in a car buy two bases right Is yeah that but that's only for do? like infants when they Is get that? older like yeah when they get older then it's then you got to put them in an actual seat and then like now you have to you're supposed to keep them backward yes for rear facing. a long time mm-hmm. um like at least till two I've seen which people is a do bummer like for four. me because my two-year-old is the size of a three-year-old, so uh, it's really tough getting him <laughs> backward. My kid's nineteen; I still make him sit backward. <laughs> <laughs> do you have him in like the old wagon where you had those seats that yeah. face backwards? Oh, those are great. All right. Well, thank you, Brian, Greg, and Alex. That was a great, lively discussion today. 
Um, and I also want to thank our audio engineer, Austin Harris. Um, I'll give myself a pat on the back for being the podcast producer. You want me to producer. thank you instead of you thanking Yeah, you. how about you go? I'd like to thank our podcast producer, Jessica Ray. Thank you, thank you. And, of course, we'll thank our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. Um, and we want to thank all of you for listening to the Motor Week podcast. Um, if you want to find more Motor Week, you can always head on over to motorweek.org. There's a lot of stuff on there. Um, if you want to watch Motor Week, we're on PBS stations across the country. You can see us for free on pbs.org slash motorweek. Or as I like to tell people, just download the PBS video app and you can watch every new episode of Motor Week for free on your phone, on your iPad, on your smart TV. Um, it's free. You don't have to pay for it. It's awesome. And you can also find us on YouTube. Uh, every Thursday we post a retro review. If you are in the mood for some yeah. uh, retro John Davis telling you the scoop on cars that you forgot existed. Um, make sure to watch our uh, marathons we do, the live ones. I dropped in on one mm -hmm. uh, this weekend. Yes. You never know. Maybe you'll get to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, Greg. I'll Greg might be there. Yeah, when he's got nothing else going on. Uh, Rant or rave. It's <laughs> yeah. usually just me and Benny D making fun of each other. So. <laughs> we usually have uh, retro marathons at the beginning of the month, um, so stay tuned. Uh, we just had one, and we'll probably have one at the beginning of May. So we want to thank all of you for being a part of Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by Lucas Oil, Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper, and TireRack.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.